This is Psalms to God, Season 3, Episode 8, Climate Change and Christianity. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, New American Standard Bible. Hey guys, welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. I hope you've been having a a great spring. It's been a while since I've recorded regularly. I'm really glad to be back. I hope you guys have been doing okay while I've been gone. And I'm excited to be able to talk to you guys every week again. So um, we're gonna jump into the topic for today. We're still talking about knowledge and things that are kind of common knowledge or things people talk about often, but this episode is going to be a slightly different format from the others where I was comparing different cultures and different religions. And we're kind of going to stick to a main focal point um, because, well, you'll see as we go in and the title should give away what we're actually talking about. So it'll make sense as we go in, hopefully. Um, So I want to start out by reading a particular passage from Genesis because it's really what I'm anchoring this topic in. So this is Genesis chapter 1 and it's starting in verse 26. So it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, if you're like me, you've heard this passage a lot. This is, again, Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28 and it talks about the creation of man of male and female and a lot of times in church people talk about this verse to talk about a heap of things whether it's about our value the fact that we are created in the image of god uh i don't know but it's always focused on the creation of man and woman but there is a tiny tidbit in there that's very important that i never really thought about I mean I thought about it but I didn't really think about it and I've never really heard it preached from a pulpit Um, and that is about the dominion of the earth 
why did God create mankind? Now there's a long list of reasons and there are a lot of mysteries of why God created us. However, one of those reasons is given in those verses and it is to have dominion over the earth. Adam and Eve were put as kind of princes or kings of this planet and they were to be the stewards of the earth. They were to take care of God's creation. Imagine um, your friend is going out of town and they have a dog and they ask you to dog sit. Your job is to take care of their dog while they're gone. That's essentially what God put man on earth to do. He created this planet, he created these animals and all of these plants and all of this beauty and he was like, okay, you guys take care of it. I'm gonna leave this to you, it's yours, you can have it, but you know, I want you to take care of it. And a lot of times I think we forget because people, whether you're looking at it from science or from religion, a lot of times we focus on self and we're like, oh, we're humans, we're special, we're intelligent, we're great. And we really forget that God's other creations are important too. He created them as well and he loves them too. We may have more value in his eyesight because we're created in his image, but they're not completely valueless, right? He still wants it to be taken care of. And even beyond that, as people living here, we should want it to be taken care of. Like no one wants to live in a trash dump, right? Like you want to take care of your living space, but we don't do that. And a lot of times it's not really addressed by the church. A long time ago, at least I think it was a long time ago, it was pre-COVID, um, I was at a Bible study and we were talking about something, I have no idea what we were talking about, but one of the guys at the study mentioned this. He was like, he really wanted to see the church talk about the environment and our responsibility as Christians to the environment. And when he said it, like it kind of clicked in my head, like I had been studying these things on my own, I had my own feelings about them, you know, I definitely grew up around the whole reduce, reuse, recycle, and um, I did my dissertation on how to not waste food and like the effects that has on us as human beings and on the planet. And, you know, I learned a lot of things during that process, but I realized it was never tethered to my faith. And I never saw anyone talking about it from a faith standpoint. And after that, I started to pay attention more. And what I found is that when you start talking about the environment, of course, you're really going into topics of like climate change. And within the Christian community, I've found that most people are either on one side or the other side. One side being, you know, oh, you know, I guess climate change is real. I don't know. We're not talking about it. Um, and there's just no conversation about it at all. And the other side being like climate change is a lie, it doesn't exist. Um, I've also heard people say it's going to be what they use to usher in the mark of the beast. And it's really more about like how they're making things up. And I find it interesting because when you start talking about agendas, like a lot of people act like just because there's an agenda, whatever is underlying the agenda cannot be real. Like, take climate change and those who say that that's what's going to be used to usher in the mark of the beast. Now I don't want to get off on a tangent about 
the mark of the beast because I feel like revelation and prophecy is a podcast season of its own because it's very deep and most Christians that I come into contact with don't understand the fundamentals of like the symbolism and the context to even really have a real conversation about that. So I'm not going to comment on whether that's like true or not. Like, I mean, I don't even know if it's true or not. It maybe, maybe they do use climate change to usher in the mark of the beast. I don't, I don't know. But the point is that even if they're using this to usher in the mark of the beast, that doesn't mean that it does not exist. Right? Like just because they're using it for their own purpose doesn't mean that the underlying situation is not real. And the reason I think it's interesting that there are so many Christians who don't believe in climate change goes back to what I just said about most Christians not understanding prophecy. Literally what is described in Matthew, in Revelation, um, and throughout the Bible as the time of the end they refer to the birth pangs and how it's going to be like a woman in labor travaileth and things will start happening and then they'll start happening more rapidly together like contractions and the things that are supposed to be happening are earthquakes in diverse places pestilence famines um there's verses about the waters turning bitter and all of these things like they're all like natural disasters that are happening at, at high volumes and increasing frequencies and things like that as we get closer to the end. And if you read it carefully, it sounds like climate change. And at the root of both of them are people and greed and our sins and our love of self. Now, I want to talk about this issue because over the past couple of years, I have been trying to make an effort to do better about my own, I don't know, existence here on the planet. And I've been watching more and more documentaries. It's so strange. Like the older I've gotten, the more I've gotten into documentaries. And I feel like that's almost all I watch nowadays. But recently I've watched two documentaries in particular. There are a heap of documentaries I think that the world would benefit from watching. But there are two in particular that I want to talk about. One is called The Devil We Know and the other is called A Plastic Ocean. Both are on Netflix. I highly recommend it. I will put the names in the description and in the show notes so that you can go back and look at it if you forget what I called what I told you that the names were. But they both deal with how we as people are treating the earth and they under like the underlying current is sin it, it's literally sin like scientists will have you talking about you know carbon emissions and uh your carbon footprint and what you know whatever but the root if you dig deep into it the root is still at the heart of things that the bible warns us against and as i was watching these documentaries the thing that popped into my head was for the love of money is the root of all evil. Now I want to point out because a lot of people misquote this all the time. It is not the money that is the root of all evil. It is the love of the money. And both of these documentaries detail this. Now I want to give a brief synopsis. So there's going to be spoilers if you haven't seen them. But you just by the description of the documentaries like they're kind of supposed to be spoiled. Like it's not like a mystery. Ah, 
I don't know. But I'm going to tell you what they're about because I have to tell you what they're about to get to the point of the podcast. So I'm sorry if you don't want to hear what they're about before you get to watch them. Pause, go watch it, and then come back to listen to the rest of the podcast. Um, so that being said, I'm going to start with The Devil We Know. So The Devil We Know is about DuPont and Teflon and how they polluted our entire planet with this chemical that they created while making and producing Teflon and basically just dumped it into the water. It has polluted basically the entire water stream of our planet. Um, when they went to look for people who had not been exposed to this chemical, they essentially were going around looking for blood that did not have traces of this chemical in it. They could not find anyone. They went into remote parts of third world countries. They were going into remote parts of Africa, remote parts of, um, you know, the Amazon, all of this testing people from these tribes that would not likely have come into contact with these things. And even those people had trace elements of this chemical they created in their bloodstream. You have it in your bloodstream. I have it in mine. And it is coming from our pots, the Teflon linings in there. Uh, the I think Teflon is in like raincoats. It's in some of the wrappers that they wrap your food in at fast food restaurants. So if you follow the trends, um, the reason this is important is carcinogenic, and the rate of cancer started increasing drastically. I think around the 50s. I'll double check and link the exact statistics in the show notes. But I think it was sometimes around the 50s that they started having massive outbreaks of cancer to the rate that it is now. Now, a lot of people think it's from Wi-Fi or cell phone towers or TVs and a lot of the electronics that we've produced. And I'm not going to say that they're not playing a role in, in some way because things like the microwave, microwaves are radioactive. It's, it's radioactive, right? Um, so they're not necessarily good for us, but really what also happened at this time is the boom of DuPont creating Teflon pans that went into everybody's house um, and they're produced with this carcinogen and it's released when it's heated and what do you do with a pan? You put it on the oven and you heat it. Like that's literally where these things are coming from. And like I said, it's in the water. They contaminated the water and we need water to live. We cook with this water. We drink the water, we bathe in the water, we make all other foods from this water. Even if we were to use solely like coconut water or the water out of a watermelon or something for our needs, you have to water those plants with water, right? Like it's all connected. The water of the planet is so important. And I want to come back to water because I had a a, a revelation about water. But before I go into why the water is important, I want to go back to the point that I was making and bringing up the documentary in the first place. And that is that the root of this issue is greed. DuPont was aware that this chemical was dangerous. They were made aware of it fairly early in. I want to think sometime in maybe the 70s or the 80s, um, they started seeing a lot of the ramifications. A lot of their employees died of cancer. Women from the labs started having babies that had um, problems. They were not born healthy. And so 
they started to research it and they found like it definitely caused cancer within rats and this is when they started looking for blood samples and things to test and they weren't able to find any and there was a farmer who lived next door to DuPont his animals were dying because they were drinking the water that was coming from the the river behind the plant and you know he started noticing the suds and things in the water from obviously where they're dumping chemicals into the water and you know they just brushed all of this aside they did not care they were not brought to trial about this issue until 2015 but the evidence of them being warned about it and knowing about it goes all the way back to like i said the 70s or the 80s all that time so they knew and they were making billions of dollars dupont is a billion dollar company and the government did not put anybody in jail the fine was not like they didn't shut the company down they didn't even demand that they stop producing this chemical immediately they gave them a phase out period and what the company decided to do was to just make another chemical a new chemical right and did they test this chemical no they just started using it and are they now more responsible about how they dispose of these chemicals no they've already found the new chemical in water in north carolina they're doing exactly the same thing and early tests on the new chemical show that it is also probably carcinogenic it's causing cancer in rats again so it's literally like it could actually be worse than the first chemical but they're still dumping it in the water why are they continuing to create this? Why didn't DuPont just say, oh, we messed up, let's shut the door, right? It's a billion dollar company. The people who own the company are already multimillionaires, maybe even billionaires. They don't need any more money, but they're greedy. Greed, guys. And again, that goes back to the Bible, right? Like we have the science of why this is destroying our planet, but the root of it is still this sinful nature that we're supposed to be repenting of. The root is still that if you went back to God and you and you got rid of that greed and you got rid of that love of money and you replaced it with the love of God, the love of his creation, the love of his people, then you would stop doing it. Right? We're going down the same path. A plastic ocean has a similar thing, but it's not so much on the scale of greed as it is on self self-interest. I was going to say self-love because that's one of the hot words right now um but it is about selfishness and the focus on self and we are a very selfish society so a plastic ocean is about how we have polluted the ocean with plastic so again we're going into the waters and we're completely corrupting the planet through the water we are all of the plastics that we use and it's insane after i watched this documentary i was surprised by how much plastic is in my house that i didn't even think about you go in the grocery store you're buying organic blueberries and they're giving them to you in a plastic container um but this plastic inevitably just ends up in the ocean and some of us try to recycle but I learned that recycling is a lot more complicated than they made it sound in elementary school. Like they gave you the three R's and they taught you the little symbol and you, you look for it and you recycle it. Woo! But it's really hard because number one, so my dad started working for the Solid Waste Authority back home when he retired and of course because they deal with recycling I learned a lot from him 
Did you know that you're supposed to wash your stuff out before you recycle it? So like if you're in a park and you're drinking, say, a Coke in a Coke bottle and you pass a recycling thing and you're like, oh, I'm going to recycle the Coke bottle. So you drop it in there, but it has like Coke residue in it. Like technically, that's not how you're supposed to recycle. Like you're supposed to take it home, rinse it out, get rid of all the Coke residue and then recycle it. The same thing, like you have a pizza box, you can't recycle it even though it's cardboard because it has food on it. Like, only certain things can be recycled, which is difficult. And then, of course, it's hard to find places that will recycle. Um, one example is, like, the place that I've recently moved. Recycling is only picked up every two weeks. So you have to keep it for two weeks before you can get it. Um, I saw this problem when I was at school. You walk across campus, you pass trash cans, but you don't pass recycling bins. It's inconvenient. Um, I recently had a TV that stopped working. I was trying to find a company that would take it so that they could ethically dispose of the electronics. Uh, electronic waste is not supposed to go into a landfill. And I could not find anyone to take this TV. The closest thing I could find is that I could pay Best Buy to take the TV. Right? So again, things are made difficult, right? It's not necessarily like greed, like, oh, I want to keep this or I want to make money, but it's still, it's inconvenient. And we as people, we always go with the path of least resistance. We do what what is best for self, right? We, we act kind of on selfish impulses. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm that person that I'm like, yo, this is too hard. Let's, let's just toss it, right? Like, that's not what I did with the TV. I did find somebody to take the TV. But in general, I'm saying like, most of the time we don't have time or the energy to chase down these leads. Now, as our recycling got caught on and people do recycle, a lot of this was being shipped to China. China stopped receiving this and a lot of this has just ended up in the ocean. Now, there are multiple problems with all this plastic being in the ocean. Number one, plastic is not biodegradable. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't break down. It breaks into pieces, but it doesn't break down. So. A lot of this plastic in the ocean goes into the fish. If you grew up as a millennial like me, you saw the images of sea turtles with the little plastic things around their neck that traumatized you. Um, so there's that, which kills them. But they also have fish that are literally eating this or like birds that see it and think it's some kind of um, animal, like some kind of fish or something and they come down and they eat it and it gets in their stomachs. It doesn't, they can't digest it. It can cut them open. Um, the the documentary shows how they were finding these birds and taking all of this plastic out of their stomachs or they were finding fish that had plastic in them. Um, they also, I think there was also an incident where like a ship got overturned in like a, a storm or something and it dumped a whole bunch of plastic and all of the fish got contaminated. Now you're saying, well, is it so bad that the fish have plastic inside their intestines? Like what? Like one yes because it's killing them but two the plastic develops bacteria so bacteria grows on the plastic as it's sitting out in the ocean in the sun um, and then that bacteria and those the chemicals that are leached off of it go into the water again polluting the water but then they also go into the fish and then fishermen come and collect these fish and then you eat that fish unless you're like me and you're vegetarian but a lot of people are eating that fish and it's causing problems and it could also be 
a factor in cancer and other illnesses that we are experiencing. Again, pestilence, right? Pestilence, famine, it's killing the fish so we'll have less fish. Um, lots of issues. Not only that, a lot of it is washing up in third world countries. Of course, countries like the US will pay to ship it out. We're producing all of this, but we're not cleaning up the mess. The documentary shows how these plastics wash up on shore in poorer countries and because those people don't necessarily have money they collect the plastic to make money they go and sell it or they use plastic for things that we would use other things for so for instance they showed one village where they actually burn the plastic in order to cook their food burning plastic is carcinogenic guys they were literally giving themselves asthma in the short term and they're also giving themselves cancer it's killing those communities but we're creating it and we don't really think about it because it's a hassle when you go to the grocery store everything's plastic and like we're not talking about this in church but it's our responsibility to take care of the planet it's our responsibility to take care of each other and it goes back to the root issue that we're more concerned about convenience for ourselves we're more concerned about what can we produce cheaply? What can we manufacture cheaply? We're not gonna rock the boat. We're gonna worry about this over here instead of this right here that's causing an issue. And it's really important. So like I said, I, I highly recommend you watch those two documentaries in, in particular. When I was in middle school, I think it was middle school. I think I was in eighth grade. I had a science teacher who gave us a quiz and the last question on the quiz was what is the sole reason for life on earth now 13 year old me uh, was not at the same place spiritually that I am today and so I cannot say that I actually put the answer that I put for spiritual reasons or because I was convicted or because I was trying to make a point or anything like that Really what happened is that I read the question and I had no idea what answer the teacher wanted. I knew that there was a scientific answer that she was looking for. After all, it's science class. But I didn't know the answer and I was taught never leave a question blank. So I put God. I was like, I don't know. And I, I mean, in a certain way, I was being like facetious. I was just being a 13 year old. I was like, eh, right, I'm going to put God. It, I wasn't really like, like today I would do that and it would be like rebellion. I'd be like, no, I refuse to put the answer you want me to put here. I'm going to say it's God because that's what I believe, right? That wasn't what I was doing. I just didn't know the answer. So I put God just to put something on the test. And being someone who was raised in the deep south, in South Carolina, where it's still the Bible Belt, you do still have a lot of believers, um, but even amongst Beyond that, you have a lot more uh, acceptance towards religion. Uh, that's a whole nother, you know, tangent that I don't want to get into. But my teacher essentially, when she read the answer, she came to school the next day and in the true spirit of democracy, she let the class vote on whether or not that was an acceptable answer. So she, you know, she was like, I read this answer and I'm going to let you decide. I'm not going to be a dictator and decide yes or no. I want you guys to decide whether you think that this person should get credit. And the class voted to give me credit for the answer, which some of the people in my class were not Christian. 
Um, and of course, no one knew that it was me that wrote the answer. I knew it was me, but no one else did. And so, um, <laughs> it's interesting because today I think people would frown upon that. People get really sensitive and uptight about the mentioning of religion. However, it was actually a great learning experience because to this day, I remember the answer she wanted me to put. The scientific answer to that question is water, right? We've been talking about water. The scientific answer to that question is water. What she wanted was that water was the reason for life on Earth. Now, as a kid, I, you know, like this got bored into my memory. This is what they ask you in science. This is what you answer. Whether or not you believe that or not is irrelevant. Um, but I didn't really put it together until I really started reading the word and developing my relationship with God more fully. And I think it's actually really beautiful how this comes together. Um, in the beginning, God's spirit hovered over the waters. So the waters were there in the beginning and this is part of the beginning process was God's interactions um, and his spirit on this water. And then as you go through the Bible, you have issues with mankind. Humanity is acting a fool. And so God destroys the earth with water. And then to redeem the people who come after that flood, he sends his only begotten son who is the living water, right? Christ is the living water. And as you keep going, you know, obviously you have the, the symbolism of rebirth through baptism, which is immersion in water. Here we go again with water. You have to go through the immersion of baptism, technically not the water baptism. You have to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. But this entire concept is what gives you life, right? Eternal life, except in Christ, the living waters. And then as you keep going into revelation, into prophecy, they talk about wormwood coming and making the waters bitter. Now again, like I said, I don't want to get too deep into Revelation in this particular episode because there's a lot of symbolism and a lot of things we can talk about. Those who know, you're going to understand immediately how that signifies. But really, <laughs> there is this pattern of how the waters are affecting us and shaping us, how they're giving us life and how it's taking life away and whether it's symbolic or literal. Um, it's always about the waters. And as we look at our society today, we are polluting the waters. And it's so beautiful. I don't know about beautiful, maybe beautiful is not the word, but it's so mesmerizing, interesting, um, because in Revelation, one of the symbols given is that the water is the people. So when you look at this prophecy of the waters being made bitter, you can take it literally or you can take it figuratively or symbolically. If you take it symbolically, then it would mean that, you know, essentially you have like a fallen angel or, or a fallen spirit that is making the people bitter, that is making the people hate each other and it's causing death, which we see that in our society quite clearly. But from a literal standpoint, something is going into the water and making it undrinkable and making it cause death amongst the people. And we can also see that we as humans are polluting our own water supply. 
And that even goes into more spiritual aspects that the same way we pollute our physical planet, we pollute our spiritual lives. We pollute our spiritual pathways to God and choke off ourselves from clean water. Our churches are corrupt. Mainstream Christianity is corrupt. And that is the water stream or the ocean or the river that would lead people to Christ's eternal water but people are drinking the water of the corrupt churches and it's bitter and they're dying and they're never getting the pure and clean and holy water that they should get from the living water of Yeshua and so all of this really goes together and it really amazes me that no one's talking about it like that guy said in Bible study like why is no one talking about it so I wanted to put this message out here so that you guys can think about it, marinate on it, think about how you are treating the earth, but also think about how that manifests spiritually, think about how that manifests um, emotionally, because there are lots of interpretations. Like I said, it's my favorite thing about the word. There are symbolic uh, interpretations, literal interpretations, spiritual interpretations, and all of them are playing out in how we treat our planet. So I'm encouraging you to watch those documentaries, think about it, and hopefully do better. I mean, we're not gonna stop it because what's gonna happen is what's gonna happen. But just because we can't necessarily stop it doesn't mean we have to be part of the problem. We can still be better stewards of our planet because that's what God has called us to do. So that being said, it's great to see you. I will see you next week because we are back to regular schedule. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, don't forget to like, subscribe, share with your friends. Leave me comments, whether on the blog, whether on whatever platform you're listening to this on, on my YouTube channel or on Instagram. I'm always excited to hear from you. Until next time, bye.